You're listening to a podcast of Spurious Morality. Welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. I'm Connor, and today I'm joined by Johnston. Hello. Hello. And we're here, we're going to talk about Missy, um, who I, I'm, I'm genuinely amazed that we still get Missy sets. I thought Michelle Gomez would be far too busy and unavailable to do Big Finish, but she has she she came for a River Song set and then doesn't seem to have left. Um, and I'm delighted because it's 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 always a joy to hear. Um, so we're we're doing a little bit of a catch up. There's a fourth uh, box set due out later in the year. Is it April May time? I think. Um, and we thought we thought we would do a little bit of a catch up over her uh, first three series. Um, so we'll start as as these things tend to at, at the beginning with um volume one and uh, a spoonful of mayhem uh, what did you think of of a spoonful of mayhem it's it's a really really good obvious introduction for missy like the mary poppins comparisons had been there pretty much since the character first appeared on screen in deep breath like she was on there for 10 seconds and everyone went oh it's mary poppins but mad um so to do basically a bad Mary Poppins story as the first one in the first series is it, it's a good idea. It's going to work. I do think it's a bit obvious. I do kind of wish they'd have maybe saved that one for a bit later with it being such a, you know, a comparison that was just made immediately kind of thing. It kind of feels a little bit like, right, let's do the obvious thing, get it out of the way, and then we can do some other stuff too. Uh, but it works, and it's it's far more than just Missy is nanny now. Um, obviously, there's an adventure, and she's up to no good. And there are the two kids that kind of go along with everything she does, and you know, I have questions about the, um, should we say, area of morality that is occupied by these kids. Um, they they're kind of okay with a lot of the things Missy does. Um, every now and again, they'll have a conversation. Oh, but she's obviously a bad guy. Yes, but it doesn't matter because we're having an adventure. And that's that's kind of all there is to it. And I, I guess what I'm saying is I do kind of struggle to work out who I'm supposed to feel sympathetic towards in this because Missy turns up and is evil. We know she's evil. She's Missy. Um, but these two kids don't decide they want to do anything about it till the very end. Um, otherwise, you know, we've got a few of the standard stereotypes in there, the sort of Victorian father who's not that interested in the kids because he's busy being, you know, the Donald Trump of his era and that kind of thing. 
Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it's a fun little episode. It's a nice little start. It balances sort of adventure and humour quite nicely. Um, and we re-listening to this, something I realised that we don't get as much of now, or we didn't get as much of in the the two more recent sets. But in this first set, Missy breaks the fourth wall quite a bit. I'd forgot that happened, and I did quite enjoy that. Um, it's always a good giggle. Michelle Gomez is excellent. So yeah, good start. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's a very good start uh, for for the series. I I, I I do quite like that they went straight in with them with the Mary Poppins thing. I think that um, I think that sort of helped to give it a nice sort of big blustery opening, um, just to lean directly into that and do do as you said the obvious. Um, I I enjoy getting to hear Missy in that sort of um, environment. There's it it inverts the whole the whole Mary Poppins thing in that you know Mary Poppins obviously is this figure of fun and magic. Missy goes for or this episode sort of goes for like a more darker magic. Like it feels like this magical underside to London. It sort of brings to mind stuff like Neverwhere. Um, and uh, what was that Seventh Doctor adventure with the uh, oh uh, London Orbital? Um, uh, feels like it occupies a similar sort of territory. Um, so I quite like that sort of thing. I, I really love Neverwhere. Um, I've said that before, but that sort of plays in a similar sort of territory with the genie locked in um, the British Museum, that sort of thing. Um, and then Missy using almost like magic to try and escape her situation um, rather than, or, or science dressed up as magic, that sort of thing. I quite like it. Um the kids are again sort of like a slightly darker reflection of the kids from Mary Poppins, and again, it works in this story. Um, I think it's, I think it's, I, I think they're great lenses through which we can meet the big finish version of Missy. Um, so I think that I, th- I think this is a good opener. I think it works very, very well. Um, and of course, we get to revisit them uh, in the second set, but we'll uh, we'll come back to that later on. We'll move on then to the second story, which is divorced, beheaded, regenerated, which introduces this reign. This this range's sort of second star, as such, in Rufus Hound's Monk. Um, tell us what you think of divorced, beheaded, regenerated. Um, I think this one's much more like it. This one's this one's quite funny, and we don't have that kind of restraint that missy seems to have around uh children like she was still being evil being horrible and murderous but it kind of felt like she was holding back a bit because kids were present and let's face it big finish aren't going to do a drama about really 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 grim master missy type things um happening to kids um you know in in the war master set we've got Derek jacoby's mon monk uh, we've got Derek Jacoby's master kind of regularly referring to eating people and stuff like that. None of that seems to happen in in Missy, um, but I do feel as though we've got more of a off the leash Missy in this one, um, and the monks there, and you know the, these two characters genuinely kind of have this sort of, I guess, sporting resentment, hatred of each other. Um, it, it's a very very different relationship to uh, Missy and the Doctor, the Monk and the Doctor, 
um, because they're all very, very different characters. And I quite like that Missy genuinely sees the Monk as like a, a sort of lesser life form, even though they're both Time Lords. She's far superior to the Monk because she's a proper evil villain and he's just a bit of an idiotic meddler. Um, it's it's a really fun relationship. It's a really funny relationship uh, to explore. And I'm glad that the Monk gets more and more to do as these sets go on. Um. But yeah, it's 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 a funny sort of rompy kind of story. It's all a bit of a giggle, and um, I've not got an awful lot more to add, really. But yeah, it's it's another fun story, and I think we just I think we get a bit more of Missy in this. I think we get a bit more out of the character. She feels less restrained. Yeah, I I I agree. I I, I agree that the gloves do slightly come off when she's not around the kids. She's not sort of under. Cosmos uh, uh, watchful gaze in this story anymore either, which sort of would explain why she was a bit more restrained in the first one. But um, I, 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 I'm a really big fan of Rufus Hound's Monk, and I really love hearing him in this series. I love hearing him getting to spar off against the Master or Missy. Um, I don't think that ever met before. I don't think the Monk and Master had ever appeared. In the same story, you know, as the monk and the master before, so this is possibly the first time. I'm not sure on that, but um, they work really well. I love the opening, uh, that sort of cold open with the monk riding in and Missy sort of uh, crashing into his plans and <laughs> him getting absolutely terrified. Um, I think Hound and Gomez sort of play off against each other very well. I wasn't. I was going to say the word chemistry. I don't think that's the right word for it. But they have this sort of spark in their interactions with each other that I think they play off against each other very well. And I love the, um, I love the sniping between Missy and the monk. So this is this is this is uh, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, and uh, the monk again swears deadly revenge against Missy, um, which will come back to haunt him later on in the series as well. Um, but yeah, I like it. It's 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 fun, and it's it's one of two sort of historical episodes here that sort of take, you know, well, this one takes King Henry, um, and later on uh, in Volume Two, Treason and Plot sort of takes on the gunpowder the gunpowder plot, and puts this sort of bizarre, messy, chaotic twist on it. Um, so I I enjoy those episodes a lot. Um, but we can move on and we can talk about the third episode then in the first set, which is The Broken Clock. Um, and I I really like this one. Um, but tell us what you thought of it first. Um, this one's great. This is this is doing something totally different and wild. And it, it, you feel as though you know for a fact, actually, that Missy has complete control of absolutely everything from the start. But the way it unfolds as this sort of bizarre time twisty true crime uh, american true crime kind of program it's absolutely great something great to put uh missy into um it does sort of perhaps over egg its mystery a bit like we kind of get what's going on here we've kind of got it figured out uh but it, it's it, it's it's an interesting sort of approach to this series and it's kind of I guess the experimental one of the run, you know, um, as we've said, Spoonful of Mayhem was Mayhem was kind of obvious. Uh, the uh, Missy and the Monk meeting was kind of 
again an obvious thing to do and like there was a nice dynamic there this is kind of the one that does something a bit different and goes off in another direction and i think it works quite nicely the humor's not as heavy in this one it's not as daft um it's it's a little bit more serious uh but it's it's a lot of fun again you know it's a nev fountain script so there's there's naturally going to be some excellent humor scattered throughout there and i think it just has a little bit more of a balance with the the darker stuff um we definitely sort of get the impression that we're heading to the conclusion of a storyline here as well there's been bits and bobs and missy's obviously got a plan and this is kind of where we start to maybe figure out what she's up to what about you um i love it i i you'd, you'd mentioned about the whole missy breaking the fourth wall thing which is i think most obvious in this episode because she's literally breaking the fourth wall of a tv show um so that's maybe where it feels most prominent to me i i really really enjoy it i i, I don't know that i agree with you about the humor i think there's an awful lot of dark humor in this where you're sort of laughing at the sort of, it, I think there's more of a sort of shock value to it where you're laughing less out of, oh, that's quite funny, and more out of a, oh, dear God, has that just happened sort of sense. Um, so I think that works. Missy, there's a little bit of a war mastery sort of edge with Missy putting the characters through the ringer here um, in a way that it does feel slightly more reminiscent of the Derek Jacobi stuff where she's sort of manipulating a group of characters. Um, and I think it works really well. I love that whole, you can imagine exactly how this TV program, um, this, this was, was it America's most possible, most impossible killers or something like that. Um, with that host, you know, you could, we've all seen those sorts of shows on like channel 16, 17, 18, 19, you know, um, you can imagine exactly how this looks um in your head it's we, we all know the sort of program that it's aping um so i really really enjoy it um i think it's very darkly funny and um i'd actually forgotten just how good it was this time when i was listening through them so it was a delight to listen to it again um and it sort of brings in this um it's the master's old tardis is is that's who she's hunting for throughout this um, and you sort of get callbacks to uh, the Time War and whatnot in a way that certainly brings back the the Derek Jacobi incarnation into my mind. That's why he's so fresh there. Um, but the TARDIS has sort of been personified. It has its own identity. And um, Missy is trying to, she's trying to get her old TARDIS back, basically. Um, so that's that that sort of gets tied up in the next episode along. That's that's what the set's building to. Um, it sort of leads into the belly of the beast, which again I enjoy. I it it does feel like it's a little more concerned with tying up the master TARDIS thing and getting Missy back into a position where she can go out into the universe. Um, that's 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 quite good. I quite enjoy the two versions of Missy in that episode, sort of getting to snipe at each other. So we'll move on then to the second uh, set, which begins with 
I I I remember at the time it was this episode that made me get the set so quickly. I wasn't going to get it for a little while. Um, but I heard that this episode, I heard the outcome of this episode, I think, and then I I, I sort of jumped into getting it straight away. Um, the first episode in this set is the Lumiat. Tell us what you think of the Lumiat. I think the Lumia is just such a brilliant creation, a brilliant idea, uh, and I think it's done really well in this episode. And it, it's it does something with Missy's storyline throughout the Twelfth Doctor's run and sort of its conclusion in uh, the Doctor Falls. And I I think this is a brilliant kind of next step for that. I, I really like what this does, like the idea that after. Missy is killed by John Sims' master. Um, she has to do something so uh, sort of wild to regenerate that it turns her good um, after the sort of redemption arc that was going on. I, I think it's absolutely great. I think it's such a good idea. Um, and the idea that uh, Missy thinks that the Lumiat is the Doctor because of all the do-gooding that the Lumiat does and how the Lumiat's presented as sort of a, I guess, a fairy godmother type figure, which kind of, I guess, kind of carries on from the whole Mary Poppins thing that we get with Missy as well. There's some kind of, I guess, some kind of logic there. Um, but yeah, this story's a lot of fun. Missy gets to be more and more evil because she's trying to prove to the Lumiat that she is completely irredeemable. Um, and I love the fact that it concludes with essentially the master killing themselves again. Missy kills the Lumiat, forces the Lumiat to regenerate. I like to think that the Lumiat then regenerates into uh, Sasha Darwin's master, and we've kind of got a, a nice little closed loop and an explanation for why the master's suddenly evil again in Spyfall. Um, I, I think it's great, just as something that just kind of connects the master we see in the Capaldi era and the master we see in the Whitaker era, I think this is just the perfect way of doing it. And I think the Lumiat's a great character. I do hope we get more. We've not had an awful lot of Lumiat. This is their only sort of big main appearance. Obviously, the Lumiat's appeared in Masterful, but it was just a nice little cameo. Um, and uh, obviously, the Lumiat popped up in Once and Future as well, but there was a lot going on there, and we didn't really get... A proper Lumiat time, I guess. So I'd definitely like to see something else done with the Lumiat. I think Gina McKee's brilliant as well. I think that's a, a perfect bit of casting. Um, this, uh, for me, this is definitely top three Missy episodes. I think it's brilliant. Certainly, it's one of the highlights of the run. Um, I, I I agree I, I absolutely agree. The, the Lumiat's a brilliant character, as you say, a brilliant creation. An excellent foil for Missy because she does reflect her so much. Like she is the master's polar opposite. Um and it I I I enjoy <laughs> I really like the master initially thinking that she's the doctor. And we get it it it's not a pretense that lasts very long in the story. It does sort of she does reveal who she is quite quickly. I think, um, but I do enjoy that bit where Missy thinks she's found a new version of the Doctor and pursues her um, very, very eagerly. Um, I also remember it was quite fun at the time getting to hear the Doctor being referred to, you know, like this. I think this was the first 
big Finnish story that I can remember that acknowledged the Jodie Whittaker era and, and made reference to the Doctor being a woman. Um, now, and I think Missy and the Lumiat both refer to the Doctor as she um, throughout this. So that felt quite exciting at the time, like a little glimpse of what was then the future or what was then, you know, happening on the TV series. I quite like that little bit of inter- interconnectivity. So yeah, it's 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 a great story. It's 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 really the story itself is is just an excuse to have uh, the Missy and the Lumiat playing off against each other and and sort of you know verbally sparring with each other, and that's that's exactly what you want. You know, you want from this sort of story. So. I'm I'm very happy with that. I really like it, and as I say, it's the reason why I got the set in you know so, as quickly as I did when it came out. Um, and I totally agree. Um, the Lumiat is the perfect bridge between Missy's end and Missy's downfall, and um, Missy's dis- you know like active decision in the Capaldi era to you know leap set aside her evil ways and go and help the Doctor to the you know classical ranting master that we get in Sasha Dewan, who I also love. Um, but it's it's a very stark, like if you're just watching the TV series, it's a very stark difference between Missy dying for the Doctor, you know, or or for the Doctor's cause as such, um, to the master returning in the in uh, Spyfall and being back to out to kill the Doctor at all costs. So this is a great bridge between it, and it does, I think, fully explain that character shift. Um, so that's 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 fantastic. Second episode in this set then is Brimstone and Terror, which revisits the Mary Poppins thing and brings back the two kids from A Spoonful of Mayhem. Uh, what do you think of this one? So in this one, um, the the kids are meant to be more sympathetic in this one, and I just. I'm not hundred percent convinced that works after how not so sympathetic and more morally grade they were in Spoonful of Mayhem. It, it kind of they've just kind of repositioned them a bit. And it, is it Oliver? Have I got that right? It's Oliver, isn't it? I think it's Oliver and Lucy. That's the one. Uh, Oliver's obviously in this boarding school in the middle of nowhere in Scotland and isn't having a great time. Um, he seems to get picked on a little bit and he's, you know, he, obviously he's having a horrible time because Missy is the new headmistress of this school and is deliberately setting out to make his life hell. Um, and it, it just kind of, yeah, I struggle to have much sympathy for this character. Um, it does go off into kind of a nice different direction and we get Strax in there and Strax is know perfect character to turn up in this series fits the tone that sort of dark humor tone quite nicely um as you know Strax always does so yeah that that was nice um it kind of it kind of descends into i feel like the finale doesn't quite justify what went on so far it's just kind of your classic missy is trying to awaken some dormant evil type thing we've had it a million times before with the master missy um and i kind of wish that half of me wishes that that wasn't there and actually missy just wanted to go and be a bit horrible to oliver as revenge for what happened in spoonful of mayhem um it kind of it felt like this end bit was tacked on just for there to be a bit of jeopardy and actually i think 
just escaping the school or blowing up the school or something like that would actually have been perhaps more satisfying but it, it's it's another fun adventure and it is good to revisit those those characters from the first episode and it's nice that missy's getting her own sort of micro universe here with recurring characters and so on yes i i love them bringing in um I, that's one of the things i love so much about this series is that there is those couple of returning characters in uh the monk and in the two kids from spoonful of mayhem um I like this one. I think Lucy... So the whole thing with Spoonful of Mayhem is Lucy does sort of twig on that they really shouldn't be helping Missy, and it's Oliver who is sort of more her accomplice in the end of that one. Um, And then in this one, you know, I think Missy... I think the reason why you're meant to feel a bit more sympathetic to them is because Missy is a bit more antagonistic to them. You know, like they... You know, to her mind, they betrayed her in Spoonful of Mayhem. And she, you know, she has no real reason to, you know, I think she, she sort of toys with Oliver. I think she enjoys sort of bullying him a little bit. But, like, she's definitely not using him as an ally or anything this time. So I think that's I think that's quite good. Um, I like that it's a bit of a, it's like, it feels like a proper crossover with the Paternoster gang. Um, like, the music comes with Strax. You get a little bit of the Paternoster theme weaved into things. Um, in places, um, and I think he's a great. Uh, he, he's just a really fun guest character to have pop up in this. Um, I I I like hearing him, and I like you know that the kids sort of see him as an ally. It does feel a little bit weird that oh it, it, the connection between him and Lucy feels very manufactured. Like there's no real reason for them to know each other, and yet they do. Um. But it's just a, it's it's just a way of bringing Strax into the story, so that's that's not too much of an issue in my mind. Yeah, it's it's it it it's 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 a decent story. I like that sort of messy on a crusade to wake an ancient god thing. But as you said, it's it's familiar territory for the master. Um, I think it works well here though, and this episode does set up. At least what's going on until the rest, you know, for the rest of the series, um, because this is where Missy loses her TARDIS. You know, she gets, she spends the whole set trying to get hold of this, um, incredible master TARDIS, and then it's she's had it for what one episode in the Lumiat, and now she loses it again. So this does sort of set up, and it, it it it's the reason why the monk is then so prevalent in the later stories in the run. Um, it gets set up here then. But I think we can move along to episode three in the second set, which is Treason and Plot, which, uh, again, I would mark out as one of my favourites. But tell us what you think. Um, no, I'm with you. This is this is an awful lot of fun. Um, basically, Missy just doing a bit of timeline disruption and a junior time agent trying to stop her, and both of them are a little bit incompetent and the gunpowder plot kind of ends up happening as it happened anyway. And it's, it's an awful lot of fun. I guess the big thing about this one is it's, it, it's, it's silly. It, it's the funny one. It's the comedy episode of the set, um, which they're all funny. You know, every single Missy episode has quite a bit of humor in it. You know, it, it sort of, I guess, treads a line between silly and dark and there are sort of tonal shifts between episodes, as we sort of said with the first set. 
but this is this is the sillier one. Um, this is quite fun, and I like the idea of Missy just sort of causing a bit of trouble, um, messing about with Guy Fawkes and the gunpowder plot and all that kind of thing for the sake of just missying, really. Um, yeah, it's it's an awful lot of fun. It's um, it, it's got a great ending. I love the end of this. I love the way that the monk is introduced um, again and it kind of leads into the next story, obviously. Um, yeah, it's, like I say, it's the fun one. It's a good listen. Yeah, I, I as I said, I love it as well. It's, it's, it's familiar territory, like I often find with historicals and, you know, I'm, I'm not a great student of history and I often find with historicals I'm learning a lot from it. Um, as our, or like I'm taking in a lot of the details and learning them from the story. Whereas with the gunpowder plot, is there a, is there a single person in the UK who does not know the story of the gunpowder plot? Like it's taught in every school. Um, so this is this is you know one of those rare occasions where it's a Doctor Who historical where you can do away with the whole you know going over it like like teaching it as such through the story to sort of mucking it up and changing all the details and everyone knows the significance then of of the changes that are being made and you can connect the dots in your head to see why it won't work um or to see what you know how history is going to be changed so i think that works very well i like that this is you know we get the time agency in this you know they get mentioned sort of obliquely in other stories um They've always been a bit of a background presence in Doctor Who, but we get one of their agents here and we get an insight to... It's presented as quite a tedious, you know, branch of the time agency. It's 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 I mean, the agent who's in this, uh, Agent Rita Cooper, is very bored by the work that she's doing and, um, and views it as, um, you know, she thinks she's above it. But uh, it's still cool to hear them getting involved and um, I quite like that. And yes, it's it's fun to spot. Like the ending's not a twist as such; it's presented as you know that the monk's identity has kept the secret, but you know it's going to be him. Um, and you see his sort of influence in the letter, and then uh, with Missy at the end. So that's it's it's just a really fun story. I really enjoy listening to it. Um, and then you get the monk brought in for for the uh, finale. I I do love the um, like when Missy. Well, when the monk reveals himself and he drops the voice synthesizer, Missy's line is, oh, great, it's everyone's favourite budget bad guy. And they're just like, yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> Completely sums up Missy's sort of contempt for the monk. It's like, you're, you're just a cut price version of me, which is kind of how the monk has always been presented at Big Finish. It, it, like, yeah, you're a pound shot master. Um, and I love it. It's brilliant. I love that he's not out and out evil. Like he thinks he's, he's he thinks he's a villain, but like he's sort of having to try very hard to be a villain in a very comic booky way. Um, he's kind of cosplaying at villainy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's not he's not a nasty character. Like he's not out and out evil. He's just out to cause a bit of mischief and a bit of trouble. Like he's not. Yeah, that's it. That, that's that's the difference between them. They're both villains, but the monk isn't evil. He's just a bit naughty. I also like the fact that this starts a run of stories that's Missy and the Monk now, and I do think they're an excellent pair. Um, obviously, the finale of this set is Too Many Masters, which 
I think's quite fun. It, it's it's a great bit of sort of silliness, and I I think it definitely has its flaws. But I love the concept of um sort of the the ogrons chasing the master for for payment of services rendered in Frontierian space. Just that as a as a basic idea is absolutely brilliant. Um, and yeah, I, I like the fact that it ends with Missy and the monk together. Missy has a, a sort of an unwilling companion, um, which obviously leads us into the third set. Yes, this is this is the this is where it does really become the Missy and the Monk show um throughout volume three because she sort of takes him on as an unwilling companion. Um and sort of it only really keeps him around so that she can keep using his TARDIS. But it's it's really funny. Um so we'll start with it then. We'll start with the first episode of here of this set, uh, which is Body and Soulless, which sort of sticks the master or sticks Missy and the monk on this war-torn planet and and sort of pits them against the two sides. What do you think of it? Um, well, the whole idea that Missy has removed the monk's brain because that's all she needs, really, and is sort of dragging him around in a bag with her, um, it, it's brilliant. It's just a really, really funny way of starting and... You know the idea that she loses this brain in the time this time lord brain ends up being sort of essential for the war that's going on. It, it, it's it's a nice sort of silly premise. Um, Rufus Hound is great. You know we've talked about how great Michelle Gomez is. Michelle Gomez is great and always will be. Rufus Hound is very very good in this. Rufus Hound is, you know, I think in terms of comic timing, there aren't many better at Big Finish. He's just fantastic it's a great performance and I, I love how much love does go into that character and how he is just the perfect uh bit of casting for the monk and this is i think probably the best example of that this is when the monk's kind of at his best because he is so useless and so dependent on missy because he's a brain in a bag um yeah it, it's it's a really strong opener it's an awful lot of fun and uh I, I like the fact that Missy and the Monk have been sort of a TARDIS team for five minutes and already she's just making his life a living hell. Um, and she is, you're right, she is just there for his TARDIS. It's brilliant. It's almost like she sort of got bored of him, which is a very messy thing, you know, where like she's like, oh, yes, I've got a companion. Five minutes later, bored now, taking your brain sort of thing. Um, yep. So that's like that. That's absolutely how that has played out. You know, I don't think this is set very long after um, too many masters, <laughs> um, and it's 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 just the the sheer like disrespect she has for him, um, and how small she thinks of you know how little she thinks of the monk. That's like I said, he's not a brain in a jar. He's a brain in a handbag. <laughs> you know, like it's really <laughs> it's just the most. Um, indignant thing that you can you can do you know that missy can do to the monk is is reduce him to a brain in a handbag and again it's one of those darkly funny things that you're not laughing at it because it's funny you're laughing at it because oh my dear god what has just happened um i like that they sort of get set up you know that they're trying to wheedle their way into one side of this and then they end up sort of on opposite sides battling against each other um that's quite fun. And I don't think they realize, do they? Like, they don't realize they're fighting against one another. They think they're just fighting the opposite side. Um, 
So that's quite cool. That's quite funny. Um, it's it's again, it's just a really fun episode to listen to. I really enjoy it. Um, the second one in this set sort of brings in a character who is presented as the master's son, and that feels quite momentous. You know, like that feels like a momentous concept. I don't think it quite lived up to that. You know, it's it's not really the master's son. It's not actually one of their family members. It's 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 just a weapon that she sort of created during the time war when she was Derek Jacobi. Um, that that's that's kind of it. It's I don't I don't want if I'm getting three three episodes in a Missy set. I don't want to see Missy sort of cleaning up after the time war like. Missy feels further on than that. By the time we're first introduced to Missy, the Time Lord Time War is pretty much completely forgotten about. It turns out all the Time Lords weren't destroyed. You know, we've kind of passed Day of the Doctor, and I'd rather Missy be doing other stuff than just kind of being dragged back into the Time War because that's that's not the character. That's not Missy. We've had a few masters in between. Yes, um, and yeah, leave the time warring to Jacoby, and you know if we ever get a regular John Sim Master Series, you know he says very very wishfully, um, let's let's do that there. Let's let's not time war with Missy. Yeah, yeah, I I I, I agree. It, it 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 feels like a slightly weird inclusion here. Um, but episode three then is uh, it's it's the last in the series so far. And we'll come to uh, we'll come to the future uh, very shortly, but for now we're on two monks, one mistress, which brings in. I think it's probably gonna. I think it's probably fair to say that we'll probably agree on this. It's one of our favourite guest characters. Oh yeah, uh, in uh, in the meddling nun. So tell us what you think of two monks, one mistress. As far as I'm concerned, this story doesn't need to do anything. It's got. Rufus Hound's Monk and Gemma Whelan's Nun in it. Um, and that's just, as soon as we got the Nun, as soon as we got that big reveal in Dalek Universe, the first thing that automatically went on my wish list was a multi-monk story. Uh, and this is it. And I love the fact that Missy knows what's going on, the Nun knows what's going on, and the Monk is just completely oblivious. And we end up with this this farce and it's it's so much fun it's again it's really sort of strong comedic writing uh it's a james kettle script this one i do like uh james kettle stuff he's written uh barrister to the stars which was certainly a, a highlight of the river song range um uh, he also did the blazing hour uh, which is uh, you know, an incredibly strong story towards the end of the monkey range so we get some good stuff from this writer, and this is definitely on that list. Um, yeah, it's it, it it's a great episode. It's sort of plotting and scheming left, right, and centre, and like I say, that sort of farcical element that's a great deal of fun. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I I I the first time I heard this one, I didn't enjoy it. It it didn't quite give me what I wanted. I've listened to it again now, and I totally get what it's going for. You're right; it's a total farce, um, and I th- there's 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 whole swathes of this story that I think are best imagined as like a stage play, um, where you know it is a farce, it's a comedy, um, and it's 
you know, you can sort of see the different characters going, you know, entering the stage and exiting the stage. Like that's how the whole thing um, outside the bedrooms feels. Um, so that's 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 sort of the key, I think, to me getting this is to imagine it as a stage play. Um, I love, as you said, that Missy and the Monk or Missy and the Nun know what's going on. And the, the the monk is stuck in the middle between them, having absolutely no idea what either of them are up to. The whole sequence with the nun trying to very obliquely tell the monk who she is and him being utterly blind and not getting it is brilliant. <laughs> I think that's really, really funny. Um, and you're right, it doesn't need to be a story. Like, There's no... Again, it's just a story. The story is just there to facilitate the characters bouncing off each other. And that's all you want. That's all you want from a multi-monk story with Missy in it. So I, I'm i I'm very happy with that. Um, the ending sets up one of my favorite ideas and they have to date not done anything with it, but it sets the two monks up as going off together and traveling with each other in the same TARDIS, which is brilliant. I would, I love imagining like their travels, surely if their travels were going to be put on screen or on audio, it would be done as a half hour sitcom. Um, you know, like a proper, you know, British half hour sitcom. I like to imagine that, you know, the Graham Garden monk is sitting in the corner of their TARDIS, like the dad out of Fraser. Um, I just love the idea of the of a like a multi-monk sitcom. So uh please big finish, you can have that one for free. Please just make it. I would love it. <laughs> um so yeah, it's it's fun and it feels like I, I enjoyed having the monk in this as a regular character, but it's Missy's series and this, you know, he doesn't, it's not, he, 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 it's not that he outstays as welcome as far in my books, he's always very welcome, but it, I like that the series had the sense to not have that ongoing forever and ever. It was just a one set thing. And then the monk gets rescued by his future self and taken away. And now we're just back to Missy traveling on her own. So that's, that's, um, I, I like that it, this is, you know, a case of big finish, knowing when not to do too much of a good thing. Um, and from the next set on, we're going back just to, uh, pure Missy on her own. Um, so that's us caught up then on the first three sets of Missy and we can turn our attention to the upcoming volume four. Um, what what are you looking for out of this next set? It feels like this next set is going to be a break from what we've had before. So th- there isn't actually all that much announced about it really. Um, we've got a, have we got a cover now. We have got a cover now, haven't we? There is, and it's 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 very messy heavy. It's 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 the cover out of the range that I think has most focused in on Messi herself. Like yes. um, the other time, she's had to share cover space with uh, the kids from Spoonful of Mayhem, the Monk, the Lumiat and Strax, and whatnot. This is very much focusing in on Messi herself. But I think that. Because we've got this coming up, and it, like I say, it feels like a break with what we've had before, and because we know that we're getting uh, Missy and the Monk and the Nun in Dark Gallifrey, I'm just hoping this one does something a bit different. You know, let's keep the dark humour, let's keep all of that, but to have something completely independent of previ- previous Missy sets, I think, is 
what I'm after here. Uh, let's let's see what's what she gets up to when left to her own devices, kind of thing. Yes, I agree. It's as much as I have loved having that recurring cast and the monk. Um, I'm, I'm, I like that we're getting back to the core of the series, which is Missy herself. And I agree. That's all I really want. I love the whole fourth wall breaking thing. I love Missy being presented as a slightly... It's it's almost a little bit Deadpool She-Hulk flavour, um, yeah. where she's sort of giving a little nod and a wink to the audience at the same time. I love that. That's really funny. Um, so I, I, I hope we keep that, the sort of dark humour, as you say. Um, I just want to be. I just. I, I just want a fun ride out of these sets. You know, like you want to be taken on a whirlwind tour of Missy's. You know, unique brand of chaos for an hour when you're listening to it. So I'm. 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 I'm very excited for this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do wonder how long it's going to be before we get a proper Missy Doctor meeting at Big Finish. Um, I guess the closest we've had will have been um, uh, Day of the Master, and actually Missy never. Part of the point of it is Missy never actually meets the Doctor. She's because the Doctor can't know who she is. Um, so I think she's paired up with Helen for the majority of it, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and it's it's there's a scene in there with the Doctor and and Liv talking. You know, they talk about meeting versions of the Master, and yeah. and Helen says, uh, "Oh, and I met this you know glamorous woman," and the Doctor was like, "Oh, well, that must be the Rani." <laughs> yes. Um. So I, I I do think we sooner or later we're going to get a Missy Doctor meeting a big finish, um, and whether that should happen in a Missy set with a doctor coming in as a guest, which, you know, we, we seem to have Paul McGann popping up as a guest character in everybody else's sets at the moment. We've had it with Peyton Ostergang. We've had it with uh, Master uh, Planet Doom. Uh, so, yeah, um, it's, you know, apart from Once and Future, which, you know, kind of different, um, we've not had a proper Missy Doctor meeting. And I, I think maybe the third Doctor would be a good one to meet Missy. I, I can oh, see absolutely. sort of... I can imagine some sort of obstinate third doctor denial that this is the master, you know, you're not the master, that kind of thing. I, I think there could be a lot of fun uh, to be had there. Uh, but whether whether or not anything like that will ever happen, I don't know. I'm, I guess at some point there will be a Missy Doctor story maybe in this range, but I think that's that's one for further down the line. And... I also expect that if there is a set five, it won't be for a while because obviously Missy's going to be tied up with Dark Gallifrey for at least a bit of it. I think I think if if you if you were going to put Missy into the third Doctor Adventures, a huge element would have to be her and Joe Grant. Um, and we've already had that in Masterful, so it feels like that ground has already been covered. But I still want it. I still want the third Doctor and Missy uh, <laughs> to sort of spar off against each other for an adventure. Yeah, I think that would be a great deal of fun. Um, or even Missy and the Brigadier. Can you imagine the Brigadier reacting? To oh, Missy? yes, please. Yeah, yes, go. please. <laughs> that's it. Yes, please. Yeah. But I think Better that's... <laughs> I think that's maybe all we have time for then. Um, so I will say goodbye and thank you, Johnston. That, that was uh, it was nice chatting with you about Missy. Yes, thank you for planning and taking the lead and letting me 
just slum it for a change. It's been quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, keep, I keep stopping and waiting for you to say, like, hang on, I'm doing this one. <laughs> um, and thank you all very, very much for listening. Um, we, will be, we will be back. Yeah. Thank you all very much for uh, This is why I do it, you see. This is this- <laughs> You need me. It's been going so well. (laughs) (laughs) And I've fallen at the final hurdle. (laughs) Don't worry, I'll take over. So thank you very much, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Give me back those reins. (laughs) Thank you all very much for listening. We'll be back for more Spodcasting soon. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Cheerio. See you later. Okay, that'll do us. Until next time.